Hey everybody, my name is Alex and this is Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition. Now before we get started, I want to, as always, encourage you to go listen to the previous episodes of the podcast, including the episode all about Black Magic M66. And if you have no idea what that is, it is a old, hyper-violent, like the good old days, um, OVA from the late 80s, from the from the mid to late 80s. It actually predates Akira and Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell predates by quite a while, but um, Akira, it predates by an actual year, which is wild because of how much it feels like Akira would come to feel. Um, but definitely go check out that episode. It is in the feed of the podcast in whatever app you are using to hear me right now. Now, on that note, I want to, for this particular Sunday edition, I want to talk about something that I find interesting, alarming, and important. And at, at first glance, it's not going to sound awfully important. It's going to sound kind of pandery, and it's going to intersect with a lot of things that, let's say, you know, shitbags on the internet talk, love to make their pet pet project, essentially. But I do think it's really important, and I'll, I'll take you through why I think this thing is really important. And that thing is the kind of absence of sexuality that is starting to happen in, in, popular, in popular media outside of anime. And I'm going, and, and in that, in that same vein, I want to talk about anime. And I've talked about stuff like this before on the podcast. I did a whole episode on the like cuties debacle a while ago. I did that as a Sunday as a Sunday edition because um, my friend Lauren, um, at the time when we were still recording, um, oh shout out to um, Un- the Uncanny Cur podcast which currently is on indefinite hiatus because we did not know what to do with it. But <laughs> it's still out there. You can still you can still go listen to that thing. I think we record I forget how many episodes recorded, but we recorded quite a few. Um but the long and short of it is is that Netflix released this movie called Cuties and Cuties with all was as near as I could tell about Preteens about preteens demonstrating any kind of sexuality, and and it, it proceeded to make many, 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 many people feel very, very, very uncomfortable. And me and Lauren have a mutual friend who's actually appeared on this podcast in a previous iteration back before this podcast was the thing it is now. And it, and she let loose, let loose this tirade about this thing to Lauren. And Lauren just like took one look at it. And I think she texted me like at five in the morning and was like, and was like, hey, you seem, you seem like a human being who will be able to like internalize this and spit out a, 
a logical, not a logical response because this this tirade did not seem logical. And what I kind of the thing I kind of came at it with was, look, the reason people don't the reason people feel uncomfortable about this is because they don't want to acknowledge that any that anyone who's underage, specific, and not just underage, but like specifically underage in a way that like would be predatory if it was an, if it was going the opposite would be truly predatory if it would be going the opposite direction and by that i mean like anybody who's not and i'm not saying even under 18 i'm saying like under 16 i'm talking like preteen territory i'm talking like 10 to 14 range maybe 10 to 15 and it, people are made uncomfortable by the idea that like Maybe those people have like thoughts and lust and desires in any in a way that's in any way perceived as sexual. Now, the the thing with anime is is that it has been because of just the way it's culturally developed. It has been dealing with those with characters like that in scenario in scenarios that are similar for decades. And the kind of latest iteration of it that makes everybody super fucking uncomfortable is the, a couple months ago there was a um, conversation around Hagakure from um, My Hero because the manga cup behind My Hero finally showed everybody what she looked like. He he did a front cover that was essentially a racy photo shoot with a teenager. And like everybody and their everybody and their mom was like, "Oh fuck. We now have to deal with the fact that this character has been naked for the entire time and we don't know what to do with that." Like we nobody knew quite what to do with it. People aimed their ire at the mangaka saying like you are objectifying this teenage girl and it's not cool this isn't cool dude at to which i and i think anybody with any half a brain or media analytics thrown in their body would be like he's been doing that the entire time like like you now have to contend with the actual reality that this invisible girl was just running around naked the entire time. And it, it, you combine that with things like Yaya Rozu's costume design, with the, the like f fetishistic nature of most of the female characters in My Hero in their character designs, including characters like Froppy, Jesus. Um... And you you get this, like, weird... You, you get this thing like, oh, he's just bringing the fight to you guys at this point. Like, he, he I wouldn't be a bit surprised if that mangaka... I forget, um, I forget his... I forget the mangaka's name, but... Which is a crime, I'm sure, and people will come for me at some point. But... 
it wouldn't be a bit surprised if when if he knew what he was doing when he made that cover. If he knew that this cover would be controversial because he was he was affirming the thing we kind of all always knew in our head but didn't want to think about too hard other than the occasional gag. And oh, and I also wouldn't be a bit surprised if he just like drew that and thought like, oh, this is a cool cover. It's like, it's like an old school, like it's almost like an old school Playboy cover, whatever. Like, either way, I wouldn't be stunned at that. But through through work for for work, um, we started. I've started using a lot of like AI tools. And that has led me to mess around with all, like, with things like MidJourney, with things like ChatGPT, with all that stuff. Uh, For probably a while, for probably, not before it hit super mainstream, not before it hit super mainstream, certainly, and that is being integrated with Bing right now, but before, but largely before... Most people were messing with it. I'm a big fan of the um, tech website, The Verge. I've listened to that. I've listened to The Verge cast since the first time they had a video component to their podcast. Meaning I've listened to it for the entire 10 years it, it's existed pretty consistently. So like, I'm, I'm up on the tech lingo, if you get what I'm saying. The Verge is actually a big part of the reason I started podcasting myself. So... Thank you, Neli, I guess. But they got access to um, the version of Bing that has ChatGPT kind of built into it and integrated into it. And they said something, and Neli Patel said something really interesting. He said it's got a very 1950s bent to its style, bent to its morals, in that it doesn't want to, it doesn't want to talk about killing, it doesn't want to talk about sex, it doesn't want to talk about that kind of stuff at all. It just doesn't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. And combine that with a um, article that I listened to recently, um, I forget who it was exactly from, but it was one of these featured articles on Apple News's um, Morning Listen. And it was about the kind of death of sex in the media, in, in, in film, l- largely in film. Now, it also said that, like, stuff is getting hot and heavy in terms of TV and streaming because that's where it moved to, but largely, when you go into a theater you generally won't see a sex scene. Like, you just won't see a sex scene. You may see sexy things, like Magic Mike Double XL or whatever it was. But popular media has a kind of, at best, joking sexuality. At worst, almost asexual bend to it. And... 
and one of the things they brought up was the with the um fact that the when the Avengers started the first movie with the Avengers, Tony Stark was like a, he was a playboy. He was a like. He was a he was the he was the billionaire who had stripper poles installed in his private jet, and now he's he's a the character dead. But before that, he kind of was a reformed playboy who was now like essentially the the crew's dad, and it. In that case, it probably had something to do with Marvel owning Disney. Or, or, or Disney owning Marvel. Disney buying Marvel and Marvel Studios. And I want to... I want to say something about this that I think is really important. That I think that people don't realize when they're... Don't realize and don't bring up often enough when they're talking about sex, when they're when they're talking about sex and portrayals of sex. And I, I talk about the, I used to talk about this in the um, panel I ran about disability, in that seeing people being. Lustful and desired and desiring is an important thing for people to see because it gives them a model for how A, they might want to see somebody and B, they may want to be seen. One of the greatest things about a weird show that I've covered on this podcast and I've talked about probably a bunch called Monster Musume is... Monster Musume, for all intents and purposes, is a show about a completely normal, average dude who is in a relationship with a snake lady, with who's in a relationship in some way, shape, or form, who's in a caring, who's in a, all the way ranging from caring to loving and sexual relationship with women who are whose bodies do not conform to anything that has come that would like that the society in which they live has come to deem as acceptable slash like ha- has built around and one of the best parts of that show is the fact that every time and this is like played as a gag but every time he gets a new, like, housemate, meaning a new girl joins the harem. He get like, the government shows up and says, we gotta make your house more handicapable, bro. <laughs> like, you started with the, with the snake lady, so we, like, gave you half the block and just, like, made everything, made all the doorways way fucking bigger. Essentially, to hospital code, so, like... Multiple wheelchairs could come through it because she's got a 20-foot fucking long tail. But now we got this giant spider lady that we have to deal with. Or this bird lady. Or this bird girl. Or... Okay, so you have a... You have a slime lady living with you? Like, we can't talk about that because she is definitely a legal immigrant. But what we can do is we can rubberize the entire inside of your house. So she doesn't, like... Leak through the walls by mistake and cause problems. 
or when it rains, like there's no excess moisture, which will also cause problems. But um, the what ends up happening in that show is meaningful, equal, true, full relationships with people who aren't with with a normal person. And some and people who aren't, and this is very specific, normal in any way physically, and they they go back to that over and over and over and over and over again every single fucking time. And one of the reasons why I highlight that show in why I would would highlight that show when I did that panel was because. So often, so often, and I, I know this as being being a person with a disability, and it's not the it's not the fault of able-bodied people because the minority category of disability is so big and so diverse in what kind of disability you have. Is it physical? Is it you know, emotional, is it any kind of those things, is it, is it mental, is it any of those things, that no one can really encompass it all. So you kind of have to take it one at a time. And an, a question that would often be levied at me at, at the end of the show is like, what, like, somebody, uh, usually a, another disabled person would come up to me like, I didn't know about any of these shows. I'm going to watch all of them. Here's what my deal is. Is there anything you recommend I watch? And uh, somebody came up to me, and I think the second or third time, the second time I did this podcast, and each time I I did this um, panel, and each time I did it was, it the panel kind of got bigger and bigger and bigger, and like kept moving into more and more insane rooms, which was which was really heartwarming, honestly. Um, and she had, I believe she had, um, schizophrenia and she's like, I, this was so cool. This was exactly what I was hoping this panel would be. I know you said you didn't talk about, um, mental, mental differences or mental disability or, um, mental disabilities, but I have schizophrenia. Is there anything for me to go watch? at all in any way i looked i looked this and she was a teenage girl i'm I'm like i gotta give this girl something i have what i'm gonna give her and i i looked directly at her i said have you watched soul eater and she was like i started it but i couldn't get into it and i didn't finish it and i'm like i implore you i implore you it will it will be a boon to your life finish it because in that show, and what I said was, and pay really close attention to the character of Victor Stein. Because, and spoilers for Soul Eater, I guess. In that show, Victor Stein, in that show, they portray, they have a, they have like a, that show is a really interesting understanding of madness and of, the like mental condition that it is to just go fucking bananas. 
And what that show does with Victor Stein is eventually Victor Stein loses himself to psychosis, essentially. Like, he goes, he goes crazy. But what it portrays itself as is, like, somebody living with severe mental illness who doesn't know what they doesn't know where they are anymore and doesn't know what what what's happening anymore but also knows that and knows that they're losing their grip on reality and what is real and what is imagined and it's this kind of soul crushing depiction of someone's descent into just absolute psychosis and then starting to come back out of it in a way but the really interesting part there is there's another character named Marie and they give some like in-universe mumbo-jumbo but essentially Marie becomes his life partner. Marie becomes his, you know, his girlfriend, his wife, his caretaker. And in that, she becomes someone who truly loves Stein and gives him and freely gives love in a way that isn't judgmental, isn't pressuring, isn't any of those things. She is... They demonstrate what it could look like to be loved as to be loved while going through that in a way that many that many properties wouldn't attempt because and I'm not saying they wouldn't attempt because they're actively trying to and I think this I think that this is the problem we're butting up against with portrayals of of sexuality in media in general. It's not necessary it's not just that it makes people uncomfortable. I think that it it makes a company like Disney uncomfortable to portray that stuff in their media because it's they want to make things quote unquote from for all ages and they they think that they'll piss off too many consumers if they make something like that. Also, Disney has gotten this way fucking wrong before. Let me just say that. I someday I'm going to figure out a way to break my fucking rules of, and I've, although I've broken the rules of not talking about things that aren't anime on here before. But like Someday I'm just gonna I'm gonna make a fucking podcast about the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Like, ugh. And if you don't know the deal with the Hunchback of Notre Dame, that is a Disney movie in which they have a disabled character. Quasimodo is a hunchback. He is disabled, and they make sure by the end of that movie that he does not get the girl. Also, Esmeralda is the only thing close to a is a Disney princess of color in the same way that Jasmine is. But, like, they make sure that that does not happen. Now, part of that is that the um, Hunchback of Notre Dame was a 
Tragedy Story panned to um, basically be a um, setup for a tourist trap of Notre Dame, which I believe is still under repair currently. But for a for a disabled kid in the nineties to watch that film and finally see a disabled person be the hero only not to get the girl in the end, the way any other hero in any other Disney movie in any other movie does. Talk about fucking soul-crushing. And so, what I'm saying there is, the stakes are high for, like, portrayals of sexuality and portrayals of desire in media. Like, if you fuck it up, you fuck it up hard. But, and this is important, but, I think this is what anime gets right about this stuff, that's not an excuse not to try. That's not a reason not to try. And I know that, like, anime is not primary, and none of these things are primarily concerned with, like, the ethics of what, of, like, the kind of desire and sexuality they're, they're portraying. They're mostly doing it because sex sells in, in many cases. I mean, you know, sex sells, age old, age old saying. But, and this is really the key thing is that when you look at a when when a person exists they don't exist without they don't exist without acknowledgement of a part of themselves like and this is this there's a and this is a really funny consequence of the cars universe because the cars universe is like it the Cards universe is not built to be thought of deeply, and it's it's one of people's biggest problems with the Cards universe. And the reason why you can say that is, Cards, Cards, and its extended universe in the form of planes, um, admit two things: it admits that the Car TSA exists, and it admits. That car world that pl- and planes admits that World War Two happened. Now they do this through like little jokes, but what they're implying there is that nine eleven happened because that's how we got the TSA in the way that's depicted in the Cars universe, and that Hitler and that there was a car Hitler, <laughs> and like. People have made fan art of this shit. People have, like, gone all the way down the rabbit hole on this shit. And, you know, shame on the people with cars for not, for, for not, for, for, for making those jokes and then not being like, oh shit, we just, uh, we, <laughs> by making the joke of there being a plane who fought in World War Two, who's like an old guy who, for like a dumb grandpa joke we oops made car hitler like come on guys and I, i'm sure someone in the office was like you know we're making car hitler right and somebody else was like let's not think about that let's not think that we oops made car hitler 
But it, by and so I think that people are not realizing. I'm sorry, I'm eating breakfast. I'm multitasking. Um, that by not depicting any sexuality in media, by by omitting it entirely, yes, you're sidestepping the issue of like you know who who's old enough to see this, like. You're helping parents not have to make that decision, but you're also eventually not showing people any demonstration of what it looks like, of what it could look like to be that way at all. And, you know, people will say, yeah, but that's what the, that's what people's parents are for. They can look to people, people can look to their parents for, you know, what it looks like to be in a caring relationship, but who knows what, who knows if a teenager or young kid wants to be like their parents. Most don't. Who knows if when they eventually become like the parents, if they'll be happy. Who knows what, what if their parents are straight and they're not? What if, you know, their parents are, uh, are, uh, couple of a single of a single race and they are a couple and they and they might be interested ended up being interested in somebody who is of a different race like and yes you know you don't need this stuff but holy shit as a I can tell you as growing up as not even a disabled person as a biracial person like Navigating like uh, navig navigating. Oh, all the white kids in my class want to touch my hair. Was weird enough. Asking somebody to dance, asking some some girl to to dance or to dance was way more complicated. <laughs> Involve oh. For me, at least, do they think my arm is weird? Like, what if they say no? All that shit. But you have, but that's why things like that's why really complicated movies like um Guide to Being a Wallflower exist. That's why really complicated. That's why movies that seem overcomplicated in their, like, romance approach, oftentimes are good things. Like, 500 Days of Summer, I'm sure, is a godsend for people. You know? And the risk we run with not having... And the, the, risk, we, the, the risk we run with the way the media landscape is shaping up is... You have too few people making the decisions about too much of the media and stuff starts to disappear. It, and aspects of the media that you see starts to disappear. You see that in things like, uh, in the arc of characters like Iron Man. There's a version of that character who's still a playboy, who's still a, you know, who's still big bad Tony Stark that you saw at the, be at the beginning of that film. Who's still like, 
who still, even by Iron Man 2, Tony, Tony Stark was still, you know, flying in and landing on a stage with a bunch of bikini-clad go-go dancers. Like, he could have kept being that person. He could have kept being that character. And in many ways, it would have been really interesting to keep him as that character and give him character growth. But, like, have him not be ashamed that, like, he liked the party. That, like, you know, if he's doing it responsibly and not hurting anybody, why, why should he stop? Why should he be squeezed into this, into one hole or another? I, th I thinking about it now, think it's really interesting that while Tony, while Robert Downey Jr. was Iron Man, he was also Sherlock Holmes. So if you look at those Sherlock Holmes movies, they're wild. They're bizarre. And kind of fantastic because it's just like Sherlock Holmes is just going to be a fucking weirdo. And unapologetically so. And you see a lot of, you see a lot of this problem echoing in our in our in our popular culture too, you look at somebody like Cory Booker, in in American politics. Everybody says Cory Booker will categorically not be president, not because he's a person of color. Although I'm sure there are people who would say that because you know, hey hey, um, but if you can't read into that, that means that people are assholes, but. One of the biggest reasons people say that he's not a potential candidate for the president is because he's not married. He doesn't have a family. He doesn't have the, like, nuclear family vibe. He, he dates supermodels. What's wrong with that? I mean, it's... Do you need to be like dude bro, crypto bro, alt-right asshole who only dates supermodels? No. But why should somebody's personal preferences and who they want to date have to interfere with their ambitions and career? You know, and also, what about that? makes us so uncomfortable. Like, th those people have hearts. Those people are people. They want to go on a nice dinner date on Valentine's Day just like I do, but won't. Um, and so many... So many of these movies have... So many, even of, like, like the Marvel movies, have romantic relationships, even queer relationships. But they're not talking about... The nobody wants to talk about what happens after what happens after they kiss. Nobody wants to talk about nobody wants the scene from Deadpool where Deadpool and his girlfriend, if get the girlfriend character's name in that, just bang for like. A good couple minutes in that in that movie, they just have wild kinky sex, and they are 
they're open about it. They are open with each other. They are they they clearly want each other. And I think that that like lack of wanting on a on a macro on a, on a big screen level, and that lack of like and that display of wanting only in the personal sphere, only in like the sphere where you can go home and you can watch this stuff in you in like the privacy of your own home but you're not seeing it publicly, creates this weird divide. And this is something that, like, anime can't necessarily help because anime is largely a small-screen venture. Yes, there are anime films, but it is largely a small-screen venture. There is value, and the um, piece on that listen to an Apple News talk about it. There is value in going to a theater, sitting next to a person, and seeing... Um, and seeing sexuality displayed, seeing, you know, desire and lust and love displayed on a screen. It, it makes it a public forum. It makes it a public... It makes it a public conversation. Um, I'm gonna end this with two stories here. First, when I was, um, a while back when I was dating my last girlfriend, I, um, we, we went to see, uh, we went to see Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the, the big, the big budget one, not the, um, not the Dutch one, but we went to see Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and the, um, assault scene happened. And we went on a date. We were not anticipating, like, showing up and there being an assault thing. We almost didn't sleep in the same bed that night. We were, like, very uncom uncomfortable by this. Eventually, like, we moved past it. It's a movie. We were adults. It was fine. But that's a really interesting... That's a really interesting scene for a couple to see... And, like, affirm the fact that they're a couple and, like, there is no fourth nature here or any of that shit. By the same vein, I went to... But in a different way, I went to see, um... Babylon, the movie about early... About the transition... Uh, essentially about the transition from silent movies to the talkies that came out recently. If you haven't seen it, I think it's still in theaters. Definitely go see it. That opening sequence is a fuck of a thing. I've talked about it before. That thing drips sex in the in the first in that opening sequence. The, you the opening sequence is essentially the most insane like cocaine fueled sex party you've ever seen in your life. It, it's wild, and you just sit there and you are in awe of it for. However long it continues on for, like, a, once again, a couple minutes. And you're like, holy shit. And, and the cool thing there is, you're having that holy shit moment in the theater with everybody else who's watching it with you. That's valuable. That, that, in that way, you sit there and you, like, deal with 
Like, you all come out of it, you're like, oh, maybe cocaine orgies are fine, actually. <laughs> and so, so I guess my point here is that, like, I think that we want our media to have the opportunity to display all, like, the whole, the whole of a character. The... The, um, and actually, the last anecdote I'll stop here with. Um, and they ended up doing it, which fucking good for them. In in the Harley Quinn cartoon, which I'm convinced is going to be canceled just because HBO shenanigans. Um, they wanted to have Catwoman give a blowjob to Batman. Like, they just wanted to do that as a joke, as like a... For, like, a storyline of Catwoman and Batman's romantic relationship, they wanted that as a, as a, as a fun bit. And DC was like, oh, fuck you, you're gonna do that? You, Batman doesn't get blowjobs. Like, that can't happen. And the way I bet the argument was one, like, why? Isn't he a dude? Isn't he a, a billionaire philanthropist playboy? What kind of billionaire philanthropist playboy doesn't, you know, go to bed with beautiful women, doesn't have sex with beautiful women, doesn't get head, doesn't get laid? That's weird. The weird thing there is the thing you've created around this character, not the fact that he's getting a blowjob. Let us do the joke. And they obviously did. And I think that's the way that people need to start thinking about the fantasy characters they see. They need to start thinking about and understanding that, like, humans bang. It's just the way it's going to go. Yes, there are ethics behind that. Yes, sometimes, you know, humans bang... And it's bad. Yes, there is bad sex. Yes, there is... Yes, there is demonstrably bad things and there's ways to take advantage of it and blah, 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 and all that stuff. But in order to have a conversation about any of that shit, you need to first admit that two people get in a room together, get naked, and have sex. Or... One person masturbates, or two people of the same gender, or five people, or whatever. Whatever floats your boat. But media's kind of... Media and, media and now AI's refusal to deal with that as a thing... Is gonna cascade into other things, and it's gonna get weird, and it's gonna—it's going to not be good. And if you are listening to this and you're like, and this is your first time listening to podcast, and somebody suggested it to you, a welcome, woohoo, hell of a first episode. B, you should like, if you if you're missing that in your media, take a look at. Anime. Anime is really open about characters wanting other characters, about characters 
being desired by other characters. Yes, it's got problematic things in there too. Really problematic things. But the only reason that people can have conversations about those problematic things is that sexuality is a component of it in the first place. If, let me give you a perfect example. Um, everybody has a problem with objectifying lowly characters. Uh, and one of the big places this was a problem was in um, a show called Dragon's Maid, a deeply popular show. But in this show, these characters were, like, the, the main two characters um, in Dragon's Maid are basically a lesbian couple. They introduce a character who is just a short stacked as hell woman. <laughs> like they and they have they have and the the character who's supposed to be a child is depicted as a child. And this is made by a studio that this was made by a studio that was held that was helmed by women. And it, everybody's like, everybody had issues with, um, Lu, with, I, I think her name's Lulu's character design. And, ev and, but anybody who had any, like, art degree or understanding of anatomy was like, no, she's an adult. Like, you can, like, yes, she's got a chest for miles, but, like, you look at her character, and she looks like an adult. She doesn't look like Kana. Like, Kana looks like a child. And the show treats her like a child, for the most part. The only other character who displays any kind of real meaningful affection to her is another child. And that's displayed as a same-sex romantic relationship pairing. And, but Lulu's character it's very clearly a, an adult. So much so that they, like, have her go look for a fucking job. <laughs> and get a job. And... That conversation happened around that show. And then everybody was just like, Okay, this exists now. <laughs> we can move on. This is a display of romance in a, like, a very full way, and it's fine. Um, and on that note, I have gone way over on this one, so if you like this podcast, new episodes of the podcast come out every Thursday and every other Sunday. Sundays are episodes that are more like this, they are more um, metatextual, more fandom-based, more conceptual, more... Art-based sometimes even, more media-based, obviously, like this one. Um, the third editions are um, more focused on a specific property or, you know, manga, anime, sometimes live-action film, but most, li most times film. Um, I'm going to be doing a Western project because I think it's really interesting, especially in the, con in the context of the last third edition being... Um, Black Magic M sixty six, which I the more I think about it would describe as a cyberpunk classic. Um, I'm going to be talking about Pantheon, which is a uh, Western animated series that is actually up over on High Dive 
that you can go check out. It it's fascinating. But um until then, I have been Alex. This has been Lunchbox Radio, Sunday edition, and I will talk to you on Thursday.